0: Luke chapter 19 verses 28 to 44 The story of the triumphal entry of the Lord Jesus Luke 19 verses 28 to 44 After Jesus had said this he went on ahead going up to Jerusalem and as he approached Bethphage and Bethany at the hill called the Mount of Olives He sent two of his disciples, saying to them, Go to the village ahead of you, and as you enter it, you will find a coat tied there, which no one has ever ridden. Untie it and bring it here. And if anyone asks you, Why are you untying it? Tell them the Lord needs it. And those who were sent ahead went and found it just as he had told them. And as they were untying the colt, its owners asked them, Why are you untying the colt? And they replied, The Lord needs it. And they brought it to Jesus and they threw their cloaks on the colt and put Jesus on it. And as he went along, people spread their cloaks on the roads. And when he came near to the place where the road goes down, the Mount of Olives, the whole crowd of disciples began joyfully to praise God in loud voices for all the miracles they had seen. Blessed is the King who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest. Some of the Pharisees in the crowd said to Jesus, Teacher, rebuke your disciples. I tell you, he replied, if they keep quiet, the stones will cry out. And as he approached Jerusalem and saw the city, he wept over it and said, If you, even you, had only known on this day what would bring you peace, but now it's hidden from your eyes. The days will come upon you when your enemies will build an embankment against you and and encircle you and hem you in on every side. And they will dash you to the ground, you and your children, within your walls. And they will not leave one stone on another. Because you did not recognize the time of God's coming to you. You didn't even recognize the time of God's coming to you. (coughs) Let's have a word of prayer, shall we? We thank you, Lord, that you have given us a, a very precious word. We thank you, Lord, for your love for us. We bless you that you're concerned about every single need represented here today. And Lord, there may be those here who are struggling in their faith. Those who are finding the road difficult. And we thank you, Lord, that you're here for them. We pray, Lord, for those who just need that word of cheer to lift them up. And we just pray, Lord, that you would cheer the heart. And and the old hymn says, nothing thrills the heart like Jesus. Who can thrill the heart like Jesus? And we pray, Lord, for those who are struggling or people that we know who are struggling with health issues. Those who are at home, who are unwell, those who are in hospital. Loving God, will you just come alongside and touch them with your healing power. And we ask you to minister to them even today as we remember them in prayer. And we thank you for the church of Jesus Christ. And cause that church to rise up as a mighty army of God that will move through this land by your spirit. A people of praise, a people of power. We pray a blessing upon this fellowship and all that's uh, coming up ahead and all that's planned. We ask you, Father, for that confirmation that this is on your agenda and then we can seek your blessing and see your blessing in everything that we do. Lord, just come alongside us and speak into our hearts the things you want us to hear and retain and to apply even this week. We pray this with the forgiveness of all our sins, Lord, that you might have your way in each one of us. For your glory we pray. Amen. There's just sort of one little heading for today. And it's a very simple little heading. It's just simply the cheers and the tears. And that's the heading for the story of Palm Sunday, isn't it? The cheers and the tears. And it's very interesting that in your life and mine, we we desperately need the cheer, don't we? We desperately need to have a time of real cheer. I was helping out at a a function last night in Kirkby Baptist. There's a, a team going out. Some of them are young people and some are older people. And they're going out to Brazil about the 9th of July. And there's a missionary couple out there, Robert and uh, uh, and Sylvana, his wife. And they're doing a tremendous work in the Flavana, is that the right word for it? In In Brazil, very, very poor area. And they're seeking to convert an area there which is very poorly constructed into a building for the children of the streets. Or the children who are in danger of ending up on the streets and living on the streets. And they're going to have this building uh, finished and furnished so that the Robert and Sylvana, his wife, can minister more effectively to the children in their care to save them from going to the glue sniffing and all the things that go on there. So they were looking for £10,000 to take out with them for, for, the, for the project that was going on. And last night was another function. It was called the Big Live Night. And I was asked to do a wee sort of magic presentation there uh, last night. And you've always got to watch who you get up to help you, you know. I was looking for a wee fella that wouldn't be too boisterous, wouldn't be too inquisitive either. You don't want too be uh, <laughs> too inquisitive standing beside you. And there was this wee fella got up, wee uh, hamish, and, oh, he was just a treat, you know. And I said, you know, we, we can't, uh, trying to disappear a, a, a red cell, it's, it's almost impossible, because red is something that everybody sees, and so we tried it a few times and it didn't even work. I said, you know this, what we need is some magic fluff and I said, you know where you get the magic flush hem- flash? the magic fluff Hamish <laughs> 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 I said, you know where you get it? I said, you get it from your belly button well the place just erupted I said everybody's got this magic fluff <laughs> and with a great deal of laughter and sometimes that's what we need we need tremendous cheer and laughter the world can be a depressing place and there's plenty of things that we can catalogue that, that's wrong with the world that's wrong with the nation wrong with society and we'd be depressed and we'd be bowed down with it all if it weren't for the fact that Jesus brings some joy and some cheer to our hearts. Well, like many of you have ever heard of Tony Campolo. Ever heard of Tony Campolo? He is an amazing speaker. He's a sociologist at university. Maybe he's retired now. I don't really know. There's a tremendous work in Haiti. Been doing that for years and years before this disaster ever happened. And uh, yeah, I always remember in a video that I saw of Tony Campolo. He's an Italian. And he tells us that when he says, you know this, the difference between uh, my mother and the mother of the other children who were going to school, when I was a child going to school, the difference between my mother and the mother of other children was, the mother of other children would say, have you got your books? My mother would say, have you got your lunch? We Italians, we like our food. And he says, that was the difference. But it's wonderful when you have parents that want to cheer us on and sometimes in their young lives they're not seeing a lot of promise they see us not achieving very much and somehow our parents begin to cheer us on and they try to tell us well that is good you did something good today and and you achieved something today and keep going and you'll get there at the end of the day and we thank God for parents who said that because you see my aunts and uncles told me quite clearly you'll never make the ministry well I'm getting to the end of it now but (laughs) at the very beginning they said, you'll, you'll never do it. You'll never get there. You can't even speak properly. And you haven't got the education. I left school without any O-levels. You haven't got anything. You're never going to make it. I'm glad I didn't listen to that. I'm really glad I didn't. But as a mother and father who thought differently. And mother said, son, you'll get there. In fact, she was so sure when it came to Halloween, I was all dressed up. And we went to the ministers, to the manse. And she dressed me up with a minister. And I had this collar on. (laughs) And here was this wee fella going up to the manse and uh, with this collar on to do my wee piece to the minister. I was all dressed up in those early days as a minister. And when they said at school, when they were in the class, what what would you like to be when you grow up? I said, a minister. So the Lord had planted this in my heart from the early days on. And I'm glad I didn't listen to all those negative comments that people can make. And there's something wonderful here about this lovely story of the, of the Palm Sunday, the Holy Land. I was there, I think it was back in 1990. When you get to the Mount of Olives, they even provide a donkey for you. I mean they've got it all there for the tourists. And just by so many shekels, you can sit on a donkey and you can have your photograph taken of this donkey going down the Mount of Olives, going away to Jerusalem. It's all there laid on. I read I heard this story about a Scotsman who went to the Holy Land. And it came to the Sea of Galilee. And there was a boat there. And he said, much will it be? He said, well, it's about the equivalent of £34 to sail on the boat. £34, he said. I could hire a boat in Loch Lomond for a week for that. (laughs) And the Israeli man said, listen, he said, these are the very waters that Jesus walked in. He said, well, no wonder he walked at that price. (laughs) 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 We were in the Holy Land. (laughs) And it says here the cheers were there. You see the part of the Bible reading we read this morning is when he came near the place where the road goes down the Mount of Olives, the whole crowd of disciples began joyfully to praise God in loud voices for all the miracles they had seen. Blessed be the King who comes in the name of the Lord, peace in heaven and glory in the highest. Now there's various reasons why there was this tremendous cheer coming from the disciples and coming from the people of that time. And one of them was because it was a festive occasion. It was the time where thousands of people would be coming to celebrate the Passover, that great feast of the Jewish year. That was the time when they were celebrating the deliverance from Egypt, a time of demonstration and dramatic uh, demonstrations as well. The freedom from Egypt around the 1300 years before Christ was born. And it's that time when teachers have their, their night out as well. In their own life here, teachers have their night out. and People come to the end of a term. There's something in their lives for to celebrate. A birthday perhaps. Or some kind of anniversary like your retirement. <laughs> Things that you can celebrate. And it gives us cheer and great joy when we have these times of celebration. Another reason for all the cheers was the sense of victory in the air. We would don't catch this ourselves, but when Jesus rode on that donkey, it was actually saying something to Jewish people who knew their Old Testament. Uh, Graham read from it this morning. It comes from the, the prophet Zechariah. Behold, your king comes riding on a donkey. It was actually saying something to the crowd, to the disciples who knew the scriptures. Your king is coming to you riding on a donkey. He was the fulfillment of the prophecy of God's word. Jesus was saying something very, very powerful, because all the people were waiting for a Messiah. They were looking for somebody who would come, and with the sword, they would conquer these Romans, who had taken over their land, who were in power, and they wanted that Roman garrison removed, by force of necessary. You even had one of the disciples who was Simon the Zealot. And these zealots would stab you in the back if you're a Roman soldier or a Roman at all. Or if you served the Romans, they would think nothing is stabbing you in the back. One of them became a disciple of Jesus. And so we find there's this tremendous sense of victory in there. But it wasn't a war horse, but a donkey. Not coming, Jesus was not coming to crush his enemies, but to declare gentleness and peace. Jerusalem was full of nationalistic Jews who knew the scriptures and this riding of Jesus on the donkey was saying something quite powerful regarding Jesus as Messiah. And some would be wondering is Jesus really the one that's been promised in the Old Testament? Is he really the Messiah that we've been waiting for for so long? And so they began to shout Hosanna, Hosanna! That's a wonderful name. You know what it means? Save, Lord, we pray. It means save, Lord, we pray, save us from this destruction, save our souls, save us from the situation that we find ourselves. Lord will you save us, we pray, Hosanna in the highest. you know it 's good to realize that Jesus did come for salvation. He came to seek and to save the lost. But they had the wrong idea, those people who were cheering him with their hosannas. But for that moment, anyway, they cheered him on and they shouted hosannas. And the third reason that they were cheering and they were spreading the palm branches before him, the third reason was they remembered the miracles that Jesus had done. You'll see it there in verse 37 of Luke 19. They praised God for the miracles that they had seen. And this wasn't long before the event that quite a few of them had seen Jesus raise Lazarus from the dead. It wasn't long after that had happened. And Jesus said to that tomb, Lazarus, come out. And the story going around Jerusalem was that a dead man had been risen from the dead. He came back to life at the command of Jesus Christ, of Jesus. They were full of it. They were all talking about it. It was a talk of the town, and no wonder they were singing and shouting their hosannas and cheering. I don't know what you think about miracles today, but I tell you, God can work miracles in people's life. Do you know how many of you have ever read the story of Jennifer Lee's Lackham? You ever read her story? Mm-hmm. Absolutely remarkable. She came to a meeting in a wheelchair to conduct a meeting. And a black lady in the congregation says, Jesus wants to heal you. And she went right up to her and prayed for her. And Jennifer Lees Lackham got out of the chair and began to walk. It was quite an amazing story. Let you get the book. It's wonderful to read the story of the, that wonderful miracle in her life. I don't know where you stand with miracles of Jesus, but these people in Luke chapter 19, they they believed that Jesus had worked miracles, and they remembered Lazarus, and they wanted to cheer him on. There's a fourth reason for the cheers. Not only because of the occasion, not only because of the sense of victory that would be interpreted there, and the the Jesus riding upon the donkey in Old Testament scriptures. Not just because they remembered his miracles, but fourthly, because this is a very human reason, they really enjoyed singing. They wanted to sink. Do you ever have a good sing to yourself? Maybe in the bath or in the kitchen. It's good to sing the praises of our God. And you see, if ever you get to Israel, I mean, it's quite an experience to get to Israel. Anybody here been to Israel? Just myself? One or two? Okay. When you get to Israel and you get to the synagogue, they're dancing outside the synagogue. There's the women dancing and the men, not together, but separately. And they're dancing. And the the music. Have you heard the music from Israel? It is absolutely a wonderful music. And they're dancing and they're praising and... it was just something to be there and to see that. And these people wanted to sing, but there were these Pharisees who didn't like all this praise and all this singing. They said to Jesus, "Stop, stop your disciples doing that kind of thing." Ah, he says, "If they stopped, the very stones would cry out and praise." The very stones we cry and there's something that that brings cheer when when people begin to sing and I always remember in, in London I mean London you're a good distance from Scotland I was going to the, the London Eye. You know the big London Eye? I was getting near to the capsules. I was there with Eileen and her mother. And there was this chap with his accord. And he was playing O'Flair of Scotland. Oh, I wanted to put some money in his hat. <laughs> it was just so good to hear it. Away down in London there. And there's something great about hearing something from your own country being not there. And some other foreign country. But the story of Jesus entering into Jerusalem on the donkey. When the disciples of Jesus started shouting and their praises there's something tremendous about that that the Pharisees did not like they don't like to hear the praises of God's people and the devil doesn't like to hear the praise of God's people the devil doesn't like that And there's plenty, as I said, in this world that would pull us down and cause us not to sing God's praises. I think there's something therapeutic when you just break into some of your tone, Dave, I don't know, but you can sing to yourself and you can sing the praises of God. And Jesus said, I tell you, if they keep quiet, the stones will cry out. There was a Methodist preacher some years ago in the south of England. He was the kind of uh, person who had a a sense of humour. uh, But somebody said that the south of England is a place, you go to retire and you usually forget the reason you came there for. But God had his minister there, a great sense of humour and it came bubbling out, he preached and he led the services but it didn't suit everyone. And this woman complained. And she wrote a letter to the minister, she said, Dear Reverend so-and-so, I write to protest in the strongest terms that your custom of making people laugh in the services. I've left your church and I'm now worshipping at such and such a church are where they are more properly miserable. <laughs> <laughs> Isn't it good to praise the Lord? To give cheer to the Lord. And the, church, the Christians have something to be cheerful about. I've got the wonderful saving gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus said, the very stones will cry out. I don't know about you friends, but despite what's happening in the world today, there's still every reason to be cheerful, to be joyful in the Lord. In fact, it says in the Bible, the joy of the Lord is my strength. There's a strength in the joy that Jesus brings. There's something wonderful and remarkable about God's people meeting together to praise Him. And sometimes when we gather together in large crowds of believers, we sense that joy welling up within us. And we sometimes say, Give me 15 minutes of that worship, and I'll tackle what's ever happening this week. Because my spirit has been lifted up in the Lord. I would like to stop there. I'd like to tell you, That the people were so caught up in the cheers and the praise of Jesus that they welcomed him as their Messiah. That's not how the story goes. I'd like to say that the cheers and the praise from the crowds were sincere and they came from the heart. But I have to tell you that there's every reason to believe that that enthusiasm was short-lived. You know, that can happen in people's lives. It can be pretty short-lived The enthusiasm they have for the church or for Christian things, and the sobering thing about Palm Sunday is that Good Friday wasn't very far away. I'm sure the same crowd that were cheering them on and shouting Hosiah and praising the Lord would be part of that same crowd shouting Crucify Him, Crucify Him. Hard to imagine that, isn't it? And it makes us ask the question: Is our commitment to the Lord the kind that only works when excited? by the words and cheers of others, or when we feel good inside? Is that a kind of fair weather kind of Christianity? Is that the kind of commitment it is? Just when you're feeling good? Just when other people can cheer you up? Or is it the kind that takes you through all kinds of experiences and you find the joy of the Lord to be your strength? But I have to tell you that from verse 41 of that passage, we read there something quite different. Look at verse 41. As he approached Jerusalem and saw the city, he wept over it and said, If you, even you, had only known on this day what will bring you peace, but now it's hidden from your eyes. Another version of the Bible has it this way. If only you knew the things that make for peace. If only you, Jerusalem knew the things that make for peace. And it seemed that Jesus was not fooled by the reception he received. He knew he was about to be rejected, that somehow the powers of darkness were about to close in. He knew the cross was close at hand. There was that time in the Garden of Gethsemane when Jesus was hoping for some other way, but even in that weak moment he said to the Father, Nevertheless, not my will be done, but your will. And the wonderful thing about Jesus is that he had a commitment that worked even when it was tears all around. Even when it was tears. But what were these tears of Jesus? Were they the tears that he shed there because of the cross that was coming up? Or because he knew the disciples were going to reject Jesus? Or the fact that life was unfair and unjust to the Lord Jesus? Is that the reason for the tears? I have to say no. It wasn't the reason. The tears of Jesus in the first instance were because of his love for Jerusalem. We mustn't forget that Jesus was a Jew. He loved his nation. And it's interesting that Luke, a Gentile, makes this point, not only here in Luke 19 and verse 41, by these tears, but also in Luke 13, 34, where Jesus said this, Oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, you kill the prophets, you stone those who sent you. How often I would have gathered you together as a hen gathers her chicks under her wings, but you were not willing. You see, you cannot understand Jesus' tears without thinking about his great and wonderful love. The protecting love, like a hen gathering her chicks under her wing. There used to be a a wee children's talk we did many, many years ago, maybe you've never heard of it, but many, many years ago, about the, the chicken that used to gather, there was a fire in the hen house. And the chick would gather the hens, the the wee chickens under her wings. And of course, because of the fire, the mother hen was was killed and died in the process. But all the chicks were saved. But Jesus is talking here that he would gather them together because there were tears of love. And these tears of love of Jesus, it's not just for one nation. The Bible says, God so loved the world... And Paul says in Ephesians that Jesus loved the church and gave himself for the church. And then Paul again says in Galatians 2.20 he loved me and gave himself for me. Now I have to tell you that the tears of Jesus are the tears of love. And I wonder how much he weeps over you and he weeps over me when he sees that unfaithfulness and he sees that we're not going according to his will he wept over our nation he wept over Jerusalem he wept over our city and sometimes I'm sure he weeps over us and he weeps over other people you know over my years in the ministry all these years I've had young people come to me and they sometimes they leave the church I always remember one young person saying pastor she said I left the church for nothing and I got nothing I left for nothing and I got nothing And she began to realise the tremendous love that Jesus had for her, even expressed through the fellowship that she was part of. It's a bit like that young man in the story that Jesus told, who just took the inheritance with a way off into the far country for, for riotous living. And the Bible says so powerfully and dramatically, and he came to himself. He says, here I am, almost feeling like eating the pig's food. And there's my father back there. He's got so much. He's got the best. And he said, I'll go back to my father. And I'll tell him I've sinned against heaven. I've sinned against you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. And what happens, of course, you know the story so well. The father's every day, he's been coming out to meet him. Bring the fatted cloth. Bring a new robe. Put a ring on his feet. Let's celebrate. See, the Father's gone from the tears to the celebration. From the tears to the cheers. That's the wonderful thing about Jesus. They're tears of love. Not only are they tears of love, but they're tears of longing. He longs to see us having the best. He longs that we go further in our Christian life. He longs to see us going on with the Lord and learning more of His Word and being a people of prayer who get before the Lord and really pray the things that God plants into our hearts. He longs to... These tears of Jesus are not just tears of love. He longs for that city of Jerusalem. He longs for His nation to recognize Him as a Messiah. He longs for us. And I find that these tears of Jesus are tears of longing as you rode in that donkey as a fulfilment of the Old Testament prophecy, they were being given the opportunity to recognise the Messiah. They were being given an opportunity. And it wouldn't be by the sort. It had to be, Jesus says, by the way of peace. Oh, that you knew the things that make for peace. And here's Jesus. He longs for peace in that nation. He longs for peace in that city. Not the kind of peace that they were thinking of by the sword. But the kind of peace that comes through a life being wonderfully changed by Christ. Being the Messiah and Lord of their lives. And I believe Jesus longs for peace. Not only in that nation of Israel and Jerusalem today. But he longs for peace in our nation. He longs for peace in our world. And he longs for peace in your heart and mine. Is your heart at peace with the Lord today? Are you at peace with Jesus? Are there things going on in your life that are are making you restless? And there's a lack of peace because you haven't confessed something before the Lord that has to be confessed? It was just so powerful to be at the service this morning at uh, Kirky. I'm not trying to compare Kirky with you. Forgive me if I I mention this. It just so happened that the minister was preaching on Palm Sunday. But Revelation 3.20, we're doing the church at Laodicea. And we came to the, bit where it says, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hear my voice and open the door, I will come in and eat with him, And he with me and the minister this morning said, you know, we're going to sing a very old hymn. Uh, That's that's one that Billy Graham made famous just as I am without one plea O Lord I come and halfway through the hymn hymn it's a thing that we don't do much at Kirke. he says stop, stop he says I I just believe that Jesus has been touching people who are lukewarm this morning and, and this was the problem with Laodicea and he says I really feel you need to come you need to come forward this morning and because we need to pray with you because you've been lukewarm and, and complacent and the Lord wants to change all that and there must have been about six folk came at the half nine service at the end of the service and I had the joy of just sitting alongside and praying with them some were in tears they hadn't been reading the scriptures, they hadn't been praying they had just lost the way and Jesus is saying oh that you knew the things that make for peace And the things that make for peace are being right with the Lord and going on with the Lord and and finding the Lord to be your stay day by day and all the experiences you go through. And and when you read it, John Knox says, John said, give me Scotland or I die. That's what John Knox said. Give me Scotland or I die. He wanted the nation of this land to have the peace of the Lord Jesus in their hearts. I've told this story before, I'm sure. I can't remember all the stories I've told. But the wee girl who got lost in Glasgow all those years ago when, when kids could go out in the streets, even in Glasgow, I think, and, and not to worry too much. And she got oh, she was visiting her aunt and she got out in the streets and got herself a bit lost. And she forgot the address of where she was. And this kind gentleman stopped her and said, uh, Where are you going? She said, I don't really know. She says, I've been visiting my aunt. But she says, just get me to the cross. And I'll find my way home from there. She meant, of course, Glasgow Cross. But we mean the cross of Jesus. we're celebrating on Good Friday, the resurrection coming next Sunday. Just just get me to the cross. And I'll find my way home from there. There's a way back to God, the old chorus says, from the dark past of sin. At Calvary's cross, it's where you begin when you come as a sinner to Jesus. Maybe there's some here today, I don't really know, and and you feel that you want to know the things that make for peace. You would like prayer this morning. Come and see me and we'll do that. We'll pray. This is a wonderful story of Jesus. The cheers, but also the tears. The tears of love. The tears of longing. And perhaps Jesus is weeping over our lives. Weeping over our young people, our nation, of our society. Weeping over it and longing that they would know the things that may. For peace, let's just pray. Loving God, we want to thank you for your word to our hearts today, and we we realize, Lord, that we're not often as faithful as we would like to be. And Lord, there are times when we just can you let go, as it were. But you never let go of us. That your grip of us is as strong as it ever was, and we just want to have that sense of peace in our hearts that we are right with you. And Lord, if there are any people here today who just feel the need to come back to you and, and put things right with you, may we not leave this place without seeking your face. We give you thanks for your word. We thank you for the cheers and, and the joy that comes into our Christian lives. But I thank you, Lord, for your tears of love for us, your tears of longing. And we sense that this morning. And we give you the praise and the glory in Jesus name Amen